0: The church is in Africa,
1: at the service of reconciliation, peace and justice. The church is in Africa, at the service of reconciliation.
2: This is the Africa Service of Vatican Radio.
3: Welcome to our half-hour daily program for Africa.
2: In today's program, you can hear our feature, Health and Healing. First, however, our Bulletin of Church News, followed by African News Panorama. I am Festus Tarawali. Pope Francis continued his catechesis series on virtues and vices, During the general audience on Wednesday in the Paul VI hall, focusing his reflection this week on spiritual sadness, the Pope said when overwhelmed by sadness, or what he also referred to as the ugly vice of sorrow, we should take comfort in Jesus' resurrection. Jesus can comfort our despair and sense of loss if we respond with faith in God's goodness, the Pope said. Deborah Castellano-Lubov
1: reports. La tristezza.
4: At times of sadness, draw comfort from thinking of Jesus' resurrection. Pope Francis offered this reminder during his Wednesday general audience held in the Vatican's Paul VI Hall. Continuing his catechesis series on virtues and vices, the Pope focused this week on the sin of excessive sadness. Recalling sorrow can manifest in one of two ways. St. Paul, he recalled, wrote to the Corinthians, Godly grief produces a repentance that leads us to salvation, but worldly grief produces death. The dynamic of sadness, the Pope explained, is linked to the experience of loss, which he recognized is often accompanied by discouragement, depression, and anguish. We all go through ordeals that generate sorrow in us, the Pope acknowledged, pointing out that after our internal turmoil, some of us are unable to get beyond sadness, whereas others are able to be regenerated in hope. Pope Francis exhorted those who may be lulled into excessive sadness to be comforted through their faith and Jesus' closeness. While recognizing sadness is natural, he warned against when it degenerates into something devious and dangerous. However, the Holy Father reassured it can be combated easily, keeping in mind the thought of the resurrection of Christ. However full life may be of contradictions, defeated desires, unrealized dreams, and lost friendships, the Pope acknowledged, thanks to Jesus' resurrection, we can believe that all will be saved. Jesus rose again not only for himself, the Pope marveled, but also for us to redeem all the happiness that has remained unfulfilled in our lives. Faith, he said, casts out fear, and the resurrection of Christ, he rejoiced, removes sadness like the stone from the tomb. Pope Francis concluded by praying that the Spirit of the risen Jesus help us defeat sorrow with holiness. I'm Deborah Castellano Lubav.
2: In remarks at the general audience on Wednesday, the Pope launched a special appeal for global attention to the suffering of Rohingya refugees from Myanmar. He also appealed for prayers for peace amid ongoing wars in Ukraine, the Holy Land, and elsewhere. Before the general audience, the Pope spoke by phone with Cardinal Pier Battista Pizzaballa, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, thanking him for the closeness he has shown to the people of Gaza since the beginning of the war between Hamas and Israel. Christopher Welsh reports Pope Francis called Cardinal Pier
3: Battista Pizzaballa on Wednesday morning, thanking the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem for the closeness he has shown to the people since the beginning of the war between Hamas and Israel. And expressing his constant care for the Catholic parish in Gaza, Pope Francis has been in contact with the pastor of the parish, Father Gabriel Romanelli, and with the associate pastor, Father Yusuf Assad, almost daily to inquire about the situation there. The Holy Family Parish, served by priests of the Institute of the Incarnate Word, is the only Catholic parish in the Gaza Strip. As is the case throughout Gaza, the parish faces a shortage of food, water, and medicine, with the people of the community struggling with lack of heating and harsh winter temperatures. Nonetheless, the parish complex, which includes a school, has continued to welcome hundreds of people who have lost everything in the war. In his call on Wednesday morning, Pope Francis focused mainly on the situation in the parish, Later, at the weekly general audience, the Pope called on the faithful to not forget wars raging around the world, noting in particular not only those who are suffering from ongoing conflicts in the Holy Land, but also tormented Ukraine and the Rohingya people in Myanmar, as well as the many, many wars going on everywhere. We pray for peace. La guerra sempre una sconfitta, sempre. Let us pray for peace, the Pope said, adding once again, war is a defeat, always. We pray for peace. We
2: need peace. I'm Christopher Wells. In Senegal, members of the National Laity Council, or CNL, have expressed their total disagreement with a decision to postpone the country's general elections. The polls were previously scheduled to take place on the 25th of February, but President Marquis Sal on Saturday announced a delay in holding the elections, citing irregularities in the candidates' list, among other issues. On Monday, lawmakers approved a bill postponing the elections to the 15th of December in the absence of opposition members of the National Assembly. In a statement released the following day, Tuesday the 6th of February, the members of the National Lady Council of Senegal said they totally disagree with the decision to push back the elections, the consequence of which, they said, could lead Senegal to an uncertain future. This unprecedented decision, which runs contrary to Senegal's long-standing democratic tradition, entails real risks of instability and is a matter of grave concern for our organisation, The further noted. The CNL members called on President Marquis Sall and all political players to scrupulously respect the republican calendar including holding the elections at a stipulated time. Furthermore, they urge stakeholders in the electoral process, including the leadership of political parties, to work for the peace and stability of Senegal by finding as soon as possible the solutions needed to organize a transparent, inclusive, peaceful and democratic election. And now to Sudan, where, in response to the ongoing conflict, The UN has appealed for 4.1 billion US dollars to address the urgent humanitarian needs of those in Sudan and people who have been forced to flee their homes. The appeal was jointly made by the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, OCHA, and the UN Refugee Agency, UNHCR. Lisa Zengarini reports.
1: The 10-month conflict between the forces loyal to President-General Abdel Fattah al-Burran and the rapid support forces led by his rival, General Mohamed Hamdan Dagalo continue to cause widespread displacement, hunger and destruction of critical infrastructure, leaving millions vulnerable to diseases and lacking access to health care and education. As reported by the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs and the UN High Commission for Refugees, nearly 18 million people in Sudan are facing acute food insecurity. More than 1.5 million Sudanese have been forced to flee to neighboring countries, including the Central African Republic, Chad, Egypt, Ethiopia and South Sudan, already hosting large refugee populations. The two UN-coordinated plans aim to support a total of 17.4 million people in Sudan and the region. The generosity of donors helps us provide food and nutrition, shelter, clean water and education for children and to fight the scourge of gender-based violence, said the Under-Secretary-General for Humanitarian Affairs and Emergency Relief Coordinator, Martin Griffiths, remarking that last year's appeal was less than half-funded. Standard. Despite challenges, in 2023, with the support of international donors, humanitarian organizations managed to reach 7 million people in Sudan and supported host governments in providing the displaced with critical life-saving support and protection. In 2024, the Refugee Response Plan aims to continue the life-saving interventions and additionally support resilience-building interventions for up to 2.7 million people. I am Lisa Zangarini. You
2: are tuned to the Africa Service of Vatican Radio.
5: African News Panorama.
6: The International Court of Justice announced on Tuesday in The Hague, the Netherlands, that it had elected one of its judges, a Ugandan national, Julia Seventeen Day. As vice president of the court the judge was recently criticized by many african countries and beyond for ruling against emergency measures requested by south africa against israel over its war against palestinians in gaza she was the only judge on the 17-member panel who voted against all six measures adopted by the court in a ruling ordering israel to take action ...to prevent acts of genocide in its war in Gaza Strip. The Ugandan government distanced itself from Judge Day's dissenting opinion... ...saying it did not represent its position in the conflict. Day has been a judge of the International Court of Justice for more than 10 years. As the protests continue in Senegal against President Mark Sall's decision to postpone the presidential election... That had been scheduled for 25th this month, the government has arrested three opposition members of parliament for opposing the president's decision. The three belonged to a party that has been dissolved by government. The Economic Community of West African States, ECOWAS, to which Senegal is a member, has called upon the government to urgently re establish an electoral calendar in line with the constitution. Reports from Senegal say President Saal decided to postpone the election because the presidential candidate he had chosen to replace him has not had support in the ruling party and in the country. According to experts, if the election were to be held on schedule, the candidate of the opposition would win. The government of Zimbabwe has said the cabinet has supported a proposed law to end the death penalty. A government spokesman and information minister Jemfan Muswere has told reporters in Harare that the decision was reached after consultations. If parliament approves the bill, life imprisonment will become the maximum sentence a criminal can serve in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe's current death penalty law was enacted during the colonial period. The country has not carried out any execution since 2005 reports from the democratic republic of congo say many people in how to katanga province have tested positive to cholera and some including 14 soldiers have died of the disease the country's military has confirmed the death of the soldiers a senior military officer general eddie kapende who commands the 22nd military region attributed the outbreak of cholera among soldiers to unsanitary conditions in the camps. Meanwhile, M-23 rebels in the eastern part of the Democratic Republic of Congo are reported to have come closer to taking the city of Goma. An officer of the rebel movement said their troops had come under heavy bombardment from Tanzanian soldiers who were serving under the Southern African Development Community. And are now fighting alongside Congolese government troops. The Prime Minister of Ethiopia, Abiy Ahmed, has denied reports that people are dying of hunger in the Tigray and the Amhara regions where fighting has been taking place. You are tuned to the English Africa Service of Vatican Radio. And now our feature: Health and Healing. <laughs> The international community marked World Cancer Day on Sunday, February 4th with the theme, Close the Care Gap. The purpose of the day was to raise awareness about cancer, promote early detection, prevention and treatment, to show support for those affected by cancer, and to advocate for improved access to health care services for cancer patients. There are many types of cancer. Examples include anal cancer, cancer of the bladder, breast cancer, leukemia, lung cancer, brain cancer, cervical cancer, cancer of the liver, cancer of the gallbladder, bone cancer, kidney cancer, prostate cancer, cancer of the appendix, skin cancer, and so on. Cancer develops when abnormal cells grow and multiply in an uncontrolled manner and invade normal tissues and organs, and eventually spread throughout the body. Reports from many countries around the world show that the number of cancer cases and death is increasing every year, and that many of the cancer patients, especially in developing countries, do not have access to treatment either because it is very expensive or because it is not available in their countries. Dr. Tedros Gavriesus is the Director General of the World Health Organization, which coordinates international response to cancer for member states. Of the 12 million people diagnosed with cancer in low- and middle-income countries,
2: only half have access to radiotherapy. Access relies on governments investing in cancer. Today, only 39% of countries finance priority cancer services in their health benefit package this undermines universal health coverage and the sustainability of cancer care cancer does not need to be a death sentence or a cause of impoverishment let's work together with policy makers and other partners
6: to keep cancer high on the healthcare agenda successful cancer treatment requires early detection of the condition The detection requires a wide range of specialized tools and expertise. The tools include, among others, various techniques of viewing the inside of the body to help figure out the illness, or what is known as diagnostic imaging. Cancer experts say early detection does not only increase the probability of curing the disease, but also decreases the overall cancer burden by preventing several interventions and patient care, That is the care of patients whose care requires admission to a hospital. Treatment requires nuclear medicine and radiation therapy. Radiation treatment requires an extensive logistical infrastructure. And the technology used to deliver treatment requires frequent maintenance and quality assurance. The expenses and expertise needed to put in place such an infrastructure are beyond the capacity of many poor countries. In 2022, the International Atomic Energy Agency launched an initiative known as Rays of Hope to address inequities in radiation medicine. The initiative supports the development and expansion of cancer care and academic infrastructure in developing countries and looks for funds to finance these efforts. Rays of Hope initiative has provided assistance to a number of African countries to establish specialized cancer detection and treatment centers. These countries are Benin, Chad, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Kenya, Malawi, Niger, and Senegal. Kubize Kandodo Chiponda is Malawi's Minister for Health. She is a trained biochemist and a pharmacist. She attended the meeting of the Raise of Hope initiative in Vienna, Austria on Sunday and explained the cancer situation in her country. There are 400 Malawian
0: patients who have been on a waiting list to be referred either to India or South Africa or Kenya for them to have access. There are over 5,000 Malawians who are still waiting for radiotherapy services
6: or bronchotherapy services in Malawi. Minister Kumbize Kandodo Chiponda expressed appreciation to the International Atomic Energy Agency for the assistance Malawi is receiving in its efforts to build its first cancer detection and treatment center. We are
0: so grateful for the technical cooperation and support which we have received so far. As a country, we have a 10-year national cancer control strategic plan that encompasses prevention, screening, treatment of common cancers and palliative care. The International Atomic Agency has supported the sustainable development of Malawi in the areas of agriculture and food as well but also human health and nutrition, but also water resource management and industrial development, but also radiation safety and waste management and human resource capacity building in the nuclear science and technology. Specifically, the International Atomic Energy Agency assisted our country to develop the bankable document which was used for financial resource mobilisation for the construction of the National Cancer Centre, the first National Cancer Centre in Malawi. Through this programme and the Raise of Hope initiative, Malawi has benefited from various technical expert missions that have assisted with provision of technical expertise towards the National Cancer Centre project, the impact review, among others. Malawi has also benefited from the procurement of radiotherapy and nuclear medicine equipment as well as fellowship training in cancer-related fields. Presently, Malawi we are under construction of the radiotherapy bankers. We have finished the concrete pouring for the four radiotherapy and the two brachytherapy bankers. And now we are awaiting the curing stage and the later mechanical works, and the final finishes to be done. Our projection is that uh, come March, would have finished everything. In terms of equipment, procurement of the radiotherapy and bronchotherapy equipment has already been completed with the support from the International Atomic Energy Agency team, and we are so grateful for their steadfast support and guidance, and we expect to launch the facility
6: before May this year. Kumbize Kandodo Chiponda, Malawi's Minister for Health, is speaking on Sunday at the headquarters of the International Atomic Energy Agency in Vienna, Austria. And lastly, the World Health Organization has again called upon the public worldwide to continue to be vigilant because the virus that causes COVID-19 is still saturating. Dr. Maria Van Kekhove is the Technical Lead of COVID-19 Response and the Head of Emerging Diseases and Zoonosis Unit at the World Health Organization.
5: The virus is still circulating. It's still around. So we uh, are still tracking it around the world. We're looking at its impact. The bottom line is that this virus is circulating in all countries at the moment. We are seeing quite intense circulation particularly in the Northern Hemisphere in the winter months, which is typical of what we see with other respiratory pathogens. But it's about 10% of the the positive samples right now for respiratory samples. Flu is increasing as well. So what's new with COVID is that COVID is not the only pathogen that's out there. It's circulating with influenza. It's circulating with uh, rhinovirus, adenovirus, uh, other respiratory pathogens that typically circulate, as well as other bacteria that are in circulation. One of the things that's difficult for us right now to track is how much of the virus is in circulation around the world. So we have countries that are reporting cases to us, but we also use other surveillance systems to help us track this. So for example, wastewater systems. In a number of countries, the data that we have from wastewater systems is that the amount of virus in circulation is anywhere between two to 19 times higher than what is actually being reported. In the last couple of weeks though, from the wastewater systems, we have seen a decline in the amount in circulation. So we may have passed a peak of SARS-CoV-2 circulation, not just in the Northern hemisphere, but also globally. Remember um, SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID, hasn't really reached uh, a seasonality. So it's taking advantage of circulating. The good news of COVID is that the impact of COVID has significantly reduced in recent years. And so we're not seeing as many hospitalizations, as many ICU admissions, as many deaths, but at the same time, we're still seeing around 10 to 12,000 deaths per month. And this is mainly among older individuals, people with underlying conditions, people who aren't vaccinated, and this is something we feel we can do something about. So while we're not seeing the same level of impact of COVID, it's still causing significant burden even in hospitalizations and ICU admissions, although not as bad as it was a couple of years ago. So it's hard to articulate and communicate that we're in a better situation, but we're not out of the woods yet.
6: The World Health Organization reminds the public to continue to observe some of the preventive measures, especially in countries where COVID-19 has become very active. Dr. Mike Ryan is the executive director of the World Health Organization's Health Emergency Programme.
7: The longer in time you are since you've had an infection or had a vaccine, it takes longer for your immune system to kick back in. Unlike the previous infection, more unlike the virus that caused your previous infection is to the one you have now, again, it takes time for your immune system to adapt. So I think what we're really seeing is that totality of that. We're seeing... Increased reinfections, either due to loss of immunity or just because people, uh, the strain is just slightly different. But we're seeing more infections and continued infections. But what we're really seeing is that the protection offered by vaccines against severe disease and death is remaining. And this is key because what it means is you may get reinfected. But if you are vaccinated, particularly if, a f- if you've got a full course of vaccines and you're an older person or someone with an underlying condition, the chances of you dying from that COVID infection are way lower if you've been vaccinated. And I think that's the message here. Learning, we've, we've said since the beginning, Maria, learning to live with this virus. We've said the virus will never go away. That uh, was not a prediction that we wanted to make, but it was just the reality of how we live in this ecosystem. Learning to live with the virus means ensuring that we're Protected from it, and that those most at risk continue to be protected. During the pandemic, we had everyone reporting everything, all hands on deck, and that was important. I think we've overshot the runway and we've gone to the other side now, which is kind of under investing in our ability to track the virus. Hopefully, with these new techniques, survey based methodologies, environmental and sort of wastewater sampling, sentinel surveillance, this might mean much to people out there, but these are really simple techniques. For doing population-based surveillance and they allow us to track the virus, but not only track the virus, track its impact in our population, track its evolution and the evolution of the clinical disease that it causes. So uh, if we can continue to do that and continue to uh, make sure that um, older persons in our communities, people with underlying conditions, continue to be vaccinated and boosted as needed, then I think we will continue to succeed. Dr. Michael Ryan, the Executive Director of
6: the World Health Organization's Health Emergencies Program. Earlier, we had Dr. Maria Van Kekhov, the Technical Lead of COVID-19 Response and the Head of Emerging Diseases and Zoonosis Unit at the World Health Organization. And that was Health and Healing for this week. This has been Johnny Baptist Mosime.
2: You are tuned to the Africa Service of Vatican Radio In our next program at the same time tomorrow, you can hear our feature, Culture and Society, and our bulletin for young people. I am Festus Tarawali, and do join us then. Praised be Jesus Christ. Laudetur Jesus Christus.